0: What the fuck they found us? How the hell
1: could they find us? There's like 160 doors in this block! Listen, whatever kind of gang war bullshit you're involved in, leave me out of it, please.
0: Hey, this ain't got nothing to do with gangs. Or drugs, or rap music, or violence in video games. This is the worst night of my life. Feelings neutral.
1: Here, why don't you do the intro? You do it. Hello!
0: Hi! Welcome to our uh, Talking Smart Hour.
1: <laughs> it's in the cut, and my name is Jesse, and I have Aaron here. We are going to talk about the 2011 movie Attack the Block, which we've both just re-watched. And I hope you have, too, because we're going to get into the details, as we always do, and it'll be much more enjoyable, if enjoyable at all. <laughs> <laughs> if you've seen the movie recently, and you can do that, by following any of the links that I give or that I set up on in uh, inthecut.org, uh, which should have a variety of different ways to watch this and any other movie we talk about. Hi. How's it going? I think that was a keeper. Let's keep that one.
0: Technical difficulties today.
1: Yeah, we started with some and I figure they're just going to continue knowing computers being the assholes that they are. Hmm,
0: technical difficulties
1: and... Um, I think you said technical difficulties, and I'm pretty sure I can prove it, because I've been recording this whole thing. (laughs) Did I tell you that I I have at least one moment that I can say with complete certainty in the Robocop 2 episode, where you say (laughs) Robocock really, really clearly?
0: You didn't. Well, uh,
1: now you can can just think about that while we're talking.
0: Think about how many times I just (laughs) Freudianly worked dick into my talk. (laughs)
1: Just well, in general. imagine me and an uh, uh, army of listeners going over with a fine-tooth comb <laughs> looking for every possible Freudian slip about penis. <laughs> their, their minds are going to explode when they get to the Holy Motors episode. <laughs> what a fun movie. I'm so glad we did Attack the Block. Just I'll take any excuse to rewatch that movie. I've seen it probably a half dozen times at this point. Yeah, a pretty perfect movie. Um, so much fun. Well, uh, one one place we could start... As I mentioned at the end of the last episode the uh, One of the conversations I thought was most interesting to have About it was it was a Contemporary, came out Contemporaneously At the same time as It came out at the same time as Super 8. The Steven Spielberg Kind of children Bind together to face An extraterrestrial menace Film. Coincidental timing I mean I'm sure but, but makes for a nice Point of comparison and in the same vein uh how e- either of them could be kind of a spiritual successor to the goonies type of movie yeah and i mean i think with those jj abrams right he did uh, uh super eight no you're right i said steven spielberg who did produce it oh yeah, yeah and i yeah, think yeah, had a yeah. had a hand in it but you're right it was directed by jj abrams
0: and you know I, th- I think very intentionally not just in feel but in look and uh he really made it look like an 80s movie with just a shit ton more lens flares.
1: Yeah, that man loves his lens flares.
0: <laughs> not a fantastic movie, I didn't think not not awful or anything. Um like I think interesting technically in that he really did get that Spielberg look, I think you know JJ Abrams is kind of known for his talent to really mimic a style. Um, uh I mean I think it's one of the reasons people didn't hate the idea of him doing uh
1: Star Wars. Star Wars right. is
0: that you know you might be able to do a Star Wars that really gets that huh. visual style. And and I think it did. I mean it really did kind of look like a Spielberg movie. I mean, yeah,
1: there's something about how Kids in a movie can, can be really, really reflective of the director, and I don't know if it's because they're more impressionable on the set or because they have to be directed a little more hands-on than, than someone who has a decade of acting yeah, experience.
0: probably not making the same amount of decisions about their character.
1: Right. So so I think that you can most clearly see the similarities in how the kids act and are treated by the movie and how kind of just the, the, the spirit of their friendship is really Spielbergian in in that movie but i also don't remember that movie real well i remember feeling like it really just petered out and lost its focus maybe or i just couldn't wasn't on board with it by the end
0: it was just i mean basically a boring movie (laughs) i mean i mean and it might be great if you are you know of that age when we did see first first see goodies i mean who knows Hmm. Uh, i think that's one of the things that attack the block it's it's not just a great movie I mean, who know, I, I have no idea if goodies would hold up seeing it for the first time right now. But seeing Attack of the Block for the first time right now, I mean, I feel like it's still got, you still got some of that great adventure feeling even even as an adult. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I think it did something more than imitate well, which I think, you know, Super 8 did do, but uh updated well. And uh, uh, I don't know, I feel, I feel like there's a lot to say on this subject, and I'm sure a lot of people have. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: yeah I think it's I mean I think it's a it's an obvious comparison just because of the time, but no I mean it's i'm that's that's my feeling as well that's it that um one set out set out to recreate that spirit and one set out to kind of recreate the movie <laughs> well to yeah, right right one one set out to make to remake this a similar movie and and one and one was inspired by the same spirit but not didn't didn't use it as a template, I don't think necessarily. What the fuck
0: was that? Some orangutan type thing. I'm not even lying, bruv. It's freezing, man. Look like it's going to be the house mother has got shanked by a Dobby. <laughs> I'm chasing that down. I'm killing that. Watch.
1: Hey, my I'm proper dumping hey, that. We're going in adventure.
0: Round two, bruv. Round two. Hey, time, bruv. I'm down. Oh, up,
1: Yeah, we run into a little bit, we run into the problem of like what do you say about a movie that you just thought was great? Yeah. Yeah, I
0: mean there's there's certainly like just I mean I was I I wish I had, this is what I do kinda wish I had watched with a notepad. There were just so so many just nice little details in pretty much every scene had something when I was watching it, it was just like, that's just, I mean, I, I just feel like there wasn't anything wasted. There wasn't, you know, every line and, and also just kind of every movement just, I mean, felt like, had something to it. There just wasn't a lot of extraneous anything. In-
1: it really perfectly, it, it, it built the momentum pretty early and just carried it just right. Like there was no dead ends. There was never any reason why they were going from one place to another is just an unnecessary tangent. And and it jumped between when there's concurrent events happening and it cuts back and forth. It always transitioned really nicely between them. Yeah, really. It, it there was a there was a kinetic energy to the forward motion of the movie that was just maintained at just the right balance. I thought. Yeah, I
0: feel like a lot of directors would have made that movie easily twenty minutes longer. Hmm. I think I don't know what the length was but it was a fairly short movie. Yeah,
1: it was like it was like 120 or
0: 130.
1: And uh I mean sorry, an hour 20 or an hour 30, not 120 or 130 minutes. Right.
0: <laughs> and maybe even the same director with a bigger budget, you know, would have gone longer.
1: Well, I think one thing is this director normally does more comedy. Like movies that are more comedies, although they also are what? I
0: don't actually know what else. I know he came from he came from TV. I, I guess I don't
1: um, know the director specifically, but I think that this movie comes from the same kind of group of people that movies like Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead have come from.
0: Um, not really. I mean, I was I was actually gonna get into that. I mean, he definitely has a very strong. I mean, he's friends um, with Edgar Wright. Okay. and you know and Dick Frost a collaborator was you know, also in it as, you know, right. butt grower.
1: Um, right, as Ron.
0: Just, just what I was saying about, you know, that tightness, I think he's definitely taken a whole lot of cues from Edgar Wright, who is, you know, I think, you know, I, mean, I, will, I will watch Edgar Wright just do anything. <laughs> you know, he's one of the few guys who I think, like, as good as his movies are and as good as everyone in his movies are, his directing is just always just the star like his directing and his editing is just so much fun to watch and and i think a lot of that style you know i don't i don't know if if they ever worked together as directors or how much actual influence edgar wright did have um but they're, they're like i think good friends and they both like came up uh, on british tv together huh. when you know edgar Wright was doing spaced and i'm not, I'm not sure what uh, this guy's tv work has been i don't think i've seen any of it
1: i think that i think that what makes the aspects that we've talked about so far work is, is the editing more than the directing, though? I, 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 I think that the kinesis of the movie and also when it's not flowing smoothly. I mean, when it's when it's meant the overall kind of flow of the movie is really smooth, but also in exciting scenes, you don't want the beats to come right where the audience expects them. You don't want the monster to jump out right at the moment that. Mm-hmm. You know is expected so either doing it a little earlier or a little later that's really comes down to the editing a lot too it seems like and and that's responsible i think a lot for the success of the movie was that it was just really, really exceptionally well edited. yeah, I
0: wonder if they shared an editor. i wonder I don't know if Edgar Wright edits his own hmm. stuff,
1: but there's other aspects that point to good directing too and, and I think one of that one of those is the um and, and good writing of course is the is the chemistry between all the kids mm-hmm. All the leads, and, you know, and and the woman, and the, pretty much everyone in the movie has has a really, really believable uh, relationships with each other.
0: I think we even, we talked about this in, in This is England, just, you know, when you get a scene with a room full of people, and, and, you know, within five minutes or whatever, really get a kind of sense of who everyone is. Although, I guess I'm kind of wrong on that, you know, I, I think in this film there wasn't, part of the fun was kind of the reveal of everyone's character. Sure. And certainly with, with Moses, I mean, that was kind of the central thing. Is yeah. That who is this guy.
1: Yeah, um, exactly. And I think best shown in the sequence where they they realize there's more of these creatures landing. They decide that they're going to go out and take them on. And there's this beautiful, lovely, one of my favorite bits in the movie, this montage of each of them running into their houses and saying hi to their moms and grabbing their weapons. Yeah. And like you're saying, it's, it's, a, it's a nice way of quickly showing who they are what their home life is like their choice of weapon even is kind of a funny thing but then it ends on moses's door and it just shows the outside of the door
0: Mm -hmm. i didn't even notice that that's uh
1: so he's kind of the last little mystery of uh, of everybody
0: yeah and you know probably within the last uh, maybe even five minutes definitely 10 minutes of the movie is when we first when we do see his apartment and it's kind of, and it really is, you know, a huge reveal. It's, you know, when we find out he's just 15.
1: Yeah, right. And uh, I I don't know how they realized that scene was going to work so well. I mean, on paper, how how would you even picture that scene like clicking like it did? But it, it it's it was so une- unexpected and and really revealing. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was it was great. Yeah, it was just not it was wasn't the surprise I was expecting. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. it wasn't overplayed i I loved his you know reaction to her and that's it's a great scene and do you i mean a lot of another part of the characterization i liked in the story was that she sam never lets them off the hook for most of the movie like even after they ostensibly save her life and stuff she's still pissed and it seems really believable (laughs) like she didn't just like oh okay i guess we're all in this together now Mm -hmm. but then in that it seems like in that moment it clicks for her when she's in her support. yeah, I, do you feel like that that's earned? Like he gets off the hook kind of for being an actual legitimate like not uh, Spielbergian, but like a real asshole <laughs> earlier in the movie, or the I mean the whole gang kind of being actual like shitty hoodlums in some ways. Uh, yeah, I think so too. Although I could see an argument I, for it not.
0: I mean, of I mean, if, I mean that, here's a whole conversation which <laughs> <laughs> it's maybe not you know not a not the not for a movie podcast.
1: I mean it's a part of it is like I just even though they're shitty at the beginning and like not for a, you know it doesn't turn out that they had to rob her to stay alive or anything like you know against Spielbergian right. they they just are kind of being ass selfish assholes and you know yeah not, and, and and you know there's a cultural context to that and stuff too but it's it's not yeah, is I, I, pat and just like Oh, it turns out his his mom has cancer, and so he has to steal to keep her alive or some <laughs> stupid thing.
0: Yeah, and I think, I mean, that was nicely addressed, I think, in that the first scene where they go to the girls' apartment. Well, I don't remember any, any of the girls' names. Um, oh,
1: the, their friends, the girls?
0: Yeah. Oh, God, um,
1: they were, like, my favorite part. Oh God, they were so good. And yeah, you're, you're right. Some. That 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 more than any interaction with Sam, the older, you know, the nurse, mm-hmm. that really did did the put it in the right context for me. Please, what kind of alien, out of all the places in the whole wide world, would invade some shitty council estate in South London?
0: One that's looking for a fight. Coming for us, you know. Ready or not.
1: Ready or not, here I come.
0: You can excuse I. me.
1: They're gonna find Listen to me!
0: There's a dead one in my living room. I live on the first floor. Go and look if you don't believe me.
1: You can walk right in. There's no front door anymore. Moses, when did you start going out of your maths teacher? (laughs) How do you know that woman? We met earlier. He mugged me. Wait, for real? That part, I believe. That true? You robbed that woman? Yeah, but afterwards she
0: fixed up my leg and... We saved her from the monsters, so we're mates now and it's all sweet. We're heroes, it? Heroes? Five of you and a knife against one woman.
1: Fuck off. Raw.
0: cold. Nah, nah, nah. Don't build it up, love. It were not all that. We never even touched you. The blade was to get over with quick. We was as scared as you.
1: Blade? You're such a waste. Why is it always trouble with you? Why is it always someone getting robbed or beaten up or someone getting arrested? Listen, we can't deal with this on our own. We have to call the police. You can trust me. I'll tell them what really happened. You think the police is going to help them? They might not arrest you, but they'll arrest them. For murder of two
0: police officers, vehicle theft, resisting arrest, everything that happened everywhere in the ends tonight. They arrest us for nothing already. You know, this, it's hard to not bring your own baggage to... And this movie definitely has a lot of, not necessarily a lot to say about, but you know, really is a lot about you know class and racial politics, yeah, um, yeah. and what we're bringing to the
1: table there. And um. there's a lot of places to go from there, actually. But you're right, Tia and Dimples were the two girls that that I just like. Mm-hmm. Felt. Oh god, I would watch a whole movie of them. <laughs> For a second, I thought like you could almost make a sequel to this that was the same events of the same night from the girls' perspective, but probably not quite. But I, I wish you could because I the, they <laughs> they the girls had the girls are almost more of an example of what you were talking about with this is England where you kind of get a sense of their chemistry and their kind of social ranking and everything just off of a really quick introduction to them because it's really well played and the subtle touches tell you a lot. I think obviously you know race and class are a big part of the movie. But you're right. I mean, when you say it doesn't have a lot to say about it, I, I I agree on the sense that it doesn't have, like, a central thesis or, like, a takeaway you can yeah. write down as, like, a, a one-sentence lesson of the movie.
0: Right. I mean, I think it does have a lot to say, but it's never didactic about it. Sure. I mean, it's, it's never, like, this is this is how things are.
1: Right. Um, right. And I wonder if that's something that, that you see more in, in British movies than American ones or probably more in independent films than in major hollywood productions
0: i i think that in like in british tv at least i mean it really feels like stuff can kind of be about you know race and poverty without just i mean i feel like in america it's there's either the hyper gritty gritty realist you know boys in the hood um
1: you should rewatch boys in the hood okay
0: <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> know why i picked that one
1: the Wire, but, sure, uh, but The Wire, right.
0: I feel like not even The Wire is... But, um...
1: But Dark Knight Rises. You
0: know... <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: Batman. <laughs> Sorry. In an, Amer- an American movie, it, it either tries to portray it as a really, like, bleak and relentless world, or... Or, or doesn't... Maybe, maybe you were gonna say, like... Oh, you know, a hobo with a heart of gold or whatever.
0: Right. Doesn't give anything any depth. Right. You never get black people or poor people as just a movie character. I mean that that's one thing I really loved about this was I, I think it would have been really easy to when getting a hearing a treatment for this movie or hearing the script that the movie that comes out is what if aliens attack the wire or whatever.
1: Hmm.
0: Which is would be a fantastic movie. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, these are these are very much movie characters. These are very much not.
1: Yeah, I thought it. I cinema thought cinema
0: verite kind of. Uh, I
1: thought it was gritty. it was important that they were ethnically who they were for the right reasons, and it was totally unimportant who ethnically they were for the right reasons. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, like it's he's he's and Moses especially is just like his his heroic arc could have been pest or any like a what you know a white kid or whatever else and there was no particular reason he had to be one or the other he just was but also there's there is a major you know class and racial set of ideas that that are part of the mixture of the movie that are handled really nicely i thought
0: right and i also think i'm just the fact that it's england i think the importance of class maybe i mean who knows i don't i don't know but uh people from england might know um but class kind of trumps race in a way that race clumps tr- uh, class in terms of media portrayal, at least.
1: And and to, to speak to the kind of the broader thing, I, what I was thinking was that the a really overarching theme of the movie isn't black and white so much as it is various interpretations of us and them or inside and outside. Oh, yeah. And race is just one one of many lenses that it's viewed through and not really even the dominant one necessarily like the old woman who's consoling sam in the beginning who says they're monsters (laughs) and then uh, you know cut really obviously but also not insultingly to the you know them dragging the monster (laughs) through the street and when sam says she's not going to be scared in her own home is it kind of a, her response to the, when the police are telling her, you know, do you have someone you can stay with? She's like, no, this is my home. I'm going to stay here. Oh yeah. And, and it's I, really I, I like, that's that... not a racial thing. That's a, this is where I belong. I'm an insider. I'm not an outsider to this. Right. And, and it, there is that
0: within, you know, street culture that, you know, this is my block. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's, I mean, the overarching part of it is, you know, the cops aren't going to help us. The, you know, no one from the outside is going to do anything. You know, we're we're the ones who are going to uh, defend ourselves from these aliens. Yeah, um, yeah, and
1: right. Made and the moment,
0: I mean, definitely when Moses says to her, you know, yeah, if we knew we, you were from here, right. And 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 then also, you know, that's obviously kind of a bullshit apology. And she calls it, you know, so if I'm if I'm an outsider, then right. it's okay. And,
1: right. And right. Right. When they're going through her purse at the beginning, after they first mug her. And he's like, "Why are you always ripping off poor people, idiot?" <laughs> I think that works on two levels. Like, a, it's like, why don't you just take some, steal from someone who actually has money, <laughs> from a pure like utility standpoint. But also, they're, they're kind of, you know, giving him a hard time for what later, in the same way that he's later kind of apologizing. That's not their intent. They're
0: Yeah, it's, funny. Um, it's a, yeah, they, they, had, they don't uh, want
1: to. They, they they're it's they want to rob from the outside, not from the inside.
0: When I was living in kind of a worse neighborhood here. um not I mean, just a couple of blocks away, but uh, I, had, I was hanging out with my neighbor a little bit, and you know, he's a pretty sketchy guy, and uh, <laughs> you know, he definitely knew people who robbed people, and like, you know, he had red fighting dogs, and had a, <laughs> you know, had a gun on his kitchen table, and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But he's just like, he's just like, yeah, you, you know, you you live here, <laughs> so you know, people aren't gonna, right? No one should, no one's gonna fuck with you because you live <laughs> here. Definitely, in a way, it's like you know, if you guys were, didn't <laughs> didn't live here,
1: you know, things would maybe be a little different. Right, first against the wall.
0: <laughs> I mean, it wasn't even all that bad of a neighborhood, but it wasn't. It was an area of high
1: muggings. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a there's a there's a quick moment that I, ca- I think caps it really nicely, which is after Moses comes up with the plan. He comes up where Moses and Sam together come up with the plan that's the climax of the movie, the last, one of the last things Sam says to Moses before leaving is, even if you survive, how are you going to get out? And I think you Mm -hmm. could read that line in two different ways. Yeah. (laughs) And, and it's clear that in Moses's response to the more, you know, or, you know, less literal meaning of that is that he doesn't want to, he has no intention of what he wants to do is take the block back. Mm -hmm. I think that, I thought that was a Nice, nice, and not overplayed. I mean, it was it's 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 there if you want to read that into it, and you know, it's not necessary not necessary if you aren't as overthinky and anal as I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I
0: think that's also yeah. I mean, all of it. Again, I'm not English, and I'm trying to you know project sure. Englishy things onto this, but uh, that you know that kind of uh, you know World War II blitz mentality that you know I think is still such a part of English modern mythology is you know your grandparents who lived through the blitz and uh, yeah and I, I, that, that kind of patriotism that like you know real actual patriotism of people fucking hunkering down and
1: really yeah that's really there now that you mention it i mean the whole thing is is I mean the way that there's fireworks and these creatures are raining down like like rockets from the sky and stuff. Right. <laughs> it's it's really like a children's version of, you know, a bombing. Mm-hmm. City city being, you know, under fire from above. Yeah. That it's a kids interpretation of a bombing in a way. Yeah, and and there's there's it it doesn't int- it, it it treats patriotism kind of interestingly. I mean it, it's the whole thing is on whatever Guy Fox day and obviously he he at the end he is dangling from the window from the union jack right. that's the union jack right i'm not an idiot that
0: that is i believe okay uh, but yeah i mean like you were saying earlier just just that us us and them and then yeah having that all play out on this more yeah you know, this, this microcosm of the blob
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a it's a lot. The, who's us and who's them? Who's inside and who's outside? I think is a is a common theme. And and again, it's it's not it's not overt. It's not meant as a as as one big overarching allegory for race relations or anything like that. It's it's it just has those ideas that are threads running through the different types of interactions that are happening in the movie. But there's two things that stand out for me in in, in terms of they they seem real clearly to play on the theme. And and what, one is this again is there as they're, as they're pre- preparing for kind of their their final plan which is to you know blow up Moses's apartment with all the creatures in it there's a contrast that's drawn between Moses who under the black light you can see he's completely painted with this uh, pheromone that it turns out has kind of been the the driving force of the of the creatures ch- chasing him down and targeting him directly and then the f- the follow-up shot of Sam, being scanned all over with the black light and being hmm. c- completely pure. And in fact, they kind of the, ch- the terms they use to describe her to say like, no, you're clean or, or no I forget exactly what it is, but that she is, she's untainted uh, where, while he is tainted, but the plan requires both. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it was, it was meant to say something about the races of the respective characters, but I think that it was interesting that he was tainted and she was pure, Right. and that the plan required both. Alert the media.
0: Exclusive rights to the highest bidder. The sun, fam. The sun believes anything. No, 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 no. The sun will just dress it up like one of them page three girls, bruv. Uh, you want to call the Guardian, blood If it's a proper paper, then people will believe it. No, tabloids pay more money, bro. Can't call the paper. FBI will confiscate it off us. FBI? This is England, fam. They know no FBI It's section six or something. We need an
1: expert to verify that thing, you know? Hey, look in the yellow pages and look for them, like, all those scientists people know about all them meteor things. Yellow pages?
0: Like what? A for
1: Aliens? <laughs> so I have a I have a theory about this movie. Okay. And I think that maybe there was a party at the zoo. Uh-huh. And a monkey fucked a fish. <laughs> <laughs> and a monkey fucked a fish.
0: I love every moment when they're talking about what the <laughs> monsters are or what they should call them. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I forget. Uh, there's the, the scene where they're first. Are they just like. Everyone is, like, coming up with their name for the thing. It's like, they're like, fucking golems or mm, no, they're wolf monkey things. <laughs> I forget I wish I remembered what every character called them, but each, just that each character just has his idea of what they are.
1: I like, I like that there's not, like, one kooky guy who's just like, oh, they're aliens, and everyone else is like, shut up, aliens aren't real, or whatever. <laughs> they all kind of are like, what the fuck is this? And after about five minutes of movie time, they're all like, yeah, it's an alien.
0: yeah that's i fucking hate movies where i I hate the refusing to believe that there's a
1: vampire even right these kids have fucking seen movies they know it's a fucking (laughs) alien (laughs) yeah so i think i
0: didn't make a single coherent point while we were talking about themes and class and uh whatnot but did you know that those monsters looked really cool
1: i well i was i was initially a little disappointed with how the monsters looked in this movie were you really yeah I, I i mean i an alien designing a new alien for a new movie is such a blank slate and there's so many great ways you could go with it and I was a little disappointed that it was just a kind of like amorphous black blob with teeth
0: and did you still feel that way or did you come around to them
1: I, I like them now and, and and it's has more less to do with how they're designed and more to do with how like thoughtfully their movements are 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 rendered yeah
0: absolutely and have you read anything about no i
1: don't know anything about the whole process i watched
0: a documentary about the whole process and it's really fascinating and all you know I, i think i really liked that they were simple and that he didn't try and do a whole lot with it just in terms of how it worked in the movie and just in terms of i mean you know every cg monster in every movie is like it's always the like here's got the 10,000 different little complicated tentacle ports and they move really neat and uh, uh, that just becomes, A, A, that just becomes a focus visually in a way that it detracts from everything else um, i feel like yeah i
1: i, I really I mean, like it's, how it's hard to do anything how with. they don't distract from the scenes that they're in y- yeah they um i mean they're present and they're they they are huge presences in the scene but the fact that they're right. you know pre- computer generated isn't just distracting
0: yeah and and i, I feel like you can you could do so much more and they're so much more relatable um you know there's actually I saw a little interview with the director and he was saying you know i just I wanted them to be relatable as animals, huh. and, and I think that's also when we're talking about how whenever it's naming them, they're like they're like monkeys, they're mm-hmm. like wolves. He's like, you know, I want these to be something that you can click something in your head will click and say that's how that moves. I can relate to ha- being in a room with that, which you know when it's the big glowing alien tentacle thing, you can't really yeah put that thing in in space in your mind. Uh, in, and and uh, but the the thing about how it's made is. There's was surprisingly little CG in that movie. Hmm. I mean, it, they've all been gone over. You know, it's all been rotoscoped to get that pitch black. Right. And then, you know, kinda, I think the fur on the outside, they've re And then, obviously, uh, the mouths have been done right. CG. But it really is guys in suits.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, you
0: know, I just watched the little, like, on the Blu-ray, uh, just the little making of uh, the monsters. It's just amazing seeing them move. And, and at the interviews with all the actors, they're like, yeah, it's, you know... When you're there in the room with them, it's fucking frightening <laughs> to see that thing come at you. And there was you know, there's a little green screening for some shots, but just pretty much every shot where the kids are being attacked by those things, they actually are.
1: <laughs> I don't know that I I don't know that I would have realized that just by thinking about it, but the fact that you've said that makes it really clear when you see the movie mm-hmm. that, that that it's they're not acting against invisible, non existent creatures and that the 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 way the presence and reality of how the creatures move transcends the budget of the movie by far.
0: Oh yeah. And the guy they got, I guess, I mean, he's, I think mostly a motion coach. Hmm. I think he does coaching for a lot of motion capture stuff. Just fantastic. And you know, I think there's wire work, uh, you know, that's how they're doing all the jumps and stuff. They're not doing it against a green screen. They're actually doing wire work. Um, and then, then, you know, in post, you know, I think there's a lot of small tweaks to the animation mm-hmm. uh, to, you know, just make it look like they have a little more agility.
1: Yeah, I can totally see that. As far as the design goes, I, I, I like the idea that, that you want them to be connectable to something you would really see or be potentially be in the room with in the way that that brings the presence of the creatures out of the movie and into, you know, your actual imagination. Mm-hmm. It... Uh, I think that the I, th- I think that the design required also them though to be black so they could have this scene where they're talking about how black they are, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and it's weird because it kind of it's 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 a weird focus shifting moment where part of the dichotomy in the early in the movie is that there's this like you know young white woman being robbed by ostensibly a bunch of black kids i mean i know not every one of them is black but it's like a black street gang almost right and if
0: it was made in america they would be black
1: right and then there's the kind of this like focus shift where like all of a sudden this thing is way blacker than like my cousin (laughs) right right? like it's they're they (laughs) in the movie are drawing comparisons to the color of their own skin and so, part part of me not being annoyed by the the creatures not being these fantastical alien bug creatures that I s- just secretly always want to see in every alien movie right. <laughs> was that they they were designed in the movie to to, to feed into the theme uh, to some extent. Right. Yeah. Ways.
0: I kind of wonder how much of that is a happy coincidence and how much. I mean, just that decision to go with the the pure mat is also just. I mean, it works so well with you know, designing a scene. And I mean, you can tell like the contrast of the whole movie is so like hyper contrast. Like they've pulled all the blacks like way down Mm -hmm. in post just so you get that, you know, the black of the sky will just entirely mesh with the black of the rotoscoping on the creature right
1: it'll just mad out the creature see so and they're just like these kind of like color extensions of the shadows in the movie almost mm-hmm. and uh scenes where
0: there's like multiple ones of them and they're all kind of blending together uh,
1: right in in indistinct
0: yeah just just making it making an awesome
1: scene yeah it's like there was a party at the zoo <laughs> yeah <laughs> The way he starts the thought, it's he doesn't just say it's like a monkey fucked a fish. <laughs> he has to create the scenario. <laughs> <laughs> it's like there was a party at the maybe no. He says maybe there was a party. <laughs> like he's actually proposing this as a theory.
0: <laughs> Yo, Rob. check it. What, bro? More. More what? Them tings. Rockets, innit? Nah, rockets go up before they come down. Them things are pure coming down. They're the same, same as what? As what hit that car before, fam. Trust. Nah, more of them nasty little gremlins. Aye, it's raining columns. Bear creatures. Shit. And that one landed in the park, fam. Close. Ah, oh, lovely fireworks! mom in it's an alien invasion. Of course it is. Let's get down there, cuz. Let's go fuck them up. Hey, I'm killing them. I'm killing them straight. <laughs> hey, let's get tool up, blood. Come, come, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, somebody call control? Whoa. Yeah, I'm Samurai, Quite sweet, really, aren't they?
1: Tying tying into the the kind of the fireworks show and the whole setup and and scene that the movie takes place in, being kind of a children's version of a being under siege in a war state. Um, I also liked that all of their weapons were really low-tech, and in fact, the gun that Hi-Hats uses is pretty ineffectual compared to, you know, their clever combination of, like, swords and fireworks and baseball (laughs) bats that they come up with. I really liked that. And it was believable. I mean, it was believable in part because of how the creatures were just these giant masses that you kind of had to put a knife through its head, basically, to kill a that the kids ended up just having the right tools for the job.
0: Speaking of siege, here's a transition.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I was
0: just remembering, um, I think when we talked about, uh, Prince of Darkness, you brought up that, you know, John Carpenter, what's his line? You know, all my movies are either journey movies or siege movies. And then, uh, this was one of (laughs) this um this was i mean i'm a huge john carpenter guy and this this, there was a shit ton of him in this film
1: i I like that a
0: lot of i think even like in just the cinematography and the color palettes and uh just everything it really the writing and pacing didn't necessarily feel
1: no yeah that's that john carpenter but i wouldn't compare the two no in that in that area
0: i kind of would um or to something like Assault on Precinct
1: 13
0: or uh, just the way that just that tightness of that tightness and that sense of, of place.
1: It really uh, is. Which All I think
0: this movie did.
1: In in the in the story. One of the things I really liked about the story is that they in a John Carpenter movie, they would be trapped like they wouldn't be able to leave. And in this movie, they just insist on not leaving. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Although, I mean, they do barricade them, themselves in, and that's why they go to the girls' room, because they have a door and everything. But
0: Yeah, I, I think—I
1: I didn't really feel like— But it's, I it's mean, really, like, a similar standing their ground kind of that thing. That they
0: could leave. I think it's definitely, like, you know, I and mean, Moses has a line at some point. It's, like, the reason they're going up to barricade themselves in instead of leaving is, I mean, they're like— there's a bunch of shit out there that's gonna get us, <laughs> and you know the aliens are out there, but I I forget exactly what the line is, but it's like yeah, fucking aliens, fucking cops, <laughs> right,
1: right, you know, uh, right. Or at the very I, I very end, when the, when the kind of the SWAT equivalent is storming them, and he's like, oh, oh is it more aliens? He's like or whatever, more monsters, monsters, sort of. They, I mean, they're out of they're out of the building at one point, and they make a deliberate decision to go back in, and I think it's because they want to defend their turf. Yeah. Because of that, but also I think, I mean, it's where they, it's home, right?
0: so it's where they feel safe. But it's, yeah, it's not like, I think definitely in all of John Carpenter's movies with with the siege mentality, it is, how do we escape? And this was, yeah, how do we defend?
1: Mm -hmm. There's a specific scene that jumped out at me this time that I want to quickly talk about. And it's it's now one of my favorite scenes in the movie, even though it goes by pretty quickly and doesn't seem particularly important, but I really like it. And it's the in the the really smoky hallway after they've just lost. I forget the name of the character, but the the guy with the glasses. They they had fired the two bottle rockets into the hallway, and then Moses had walked in with the Roman candle, and they had lost the guy with the glasses. And they're just getting out of the hallway. And do you, do you remember the scene? It's about two thirds of the way through the movie. Uh, yes, uh, it's before they go back upstairs to kind of the lockdown weed room. Jerome,
0: is that uh... that
1: sounds right? Yeah. So it's 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 at the very end of that scene. Moses knows that Jerome has died, and he's he's got his back to the door to the stairwell, and he's you know, he's pretty much just turns around to face down the creatures. And he's like, and there's a moment where it's like, this is going to be his last stand. He's ready to have his showdown. And Pest is trying to pull him into the stairwell and say, like, you know, let's get out of here. And and Moses is resisting him for a second. But then he lets Pest pull him into the stairwell. And I really, I really like that moment because, in my mind at least, the motives of the character, the mo- the motive, Moses's motive in that moment and the motive of the movie as a story are perfectly like the same. And it's that we haven't quite figured out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like we're almost there, like we get 90 percent of what's going on with these creatures. But there's it's just, you know, there's one key bit of information we're missing and you and you're not going to make your last stand until you get that bit of information. And it's, of course, it's it's that you know there's these invisible pheromones on Moses, and that's why he's singularly being hunted down, and that's how they keep finding the group, and that's a critical element of how of why the last set stand is successful because they wait to and, and they discover that information before they make their counterattack. But I love that just right before that he's about to make his last stand and. I just get the sense that he knows there's just (laughs) it's not quite time yet and it's also in the pace of the movie you need to have that last little like surprise or or bit of information for the audience before it all comes together and coalesces i liked that the character and the motives of the movie are just perfectly in sync for that
0: (laughs) oh bruce everyone who touched this thing got murked you know Dennis, Jerome, Tonks, them fence where they tried to touch me. Everyone who had that scent on them. So if they follow the smell on that, then... maybe I can lead them. Lead them where? Somewhere I can blow them up. I killed that thing. I brought them in the block. I've got to finish what I started.
1: Every time I've watched this movie, I've wanted to stand up and cheer at the very end. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's so it's, it's so earned. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it's I'm over I'm overcome by just an adoration for these characters by the end, and just seeing Moses smile for the first time. Yeah. It's just it's just it just clicks. It all comes together the scenes where the montage of each of them being individually dragged out of the building and into <laughs> you know a cop car it's as far as i can remember it's the only the second montage in the movie after the the first one being where they all all the kids are running into their parents houses to grab the weapons and quickly talk to say hi to their moms <laughs> <laughs> and both of them are perfect they kind of bookend the battle against the creatures really nicely and and you get these just little... I mean, you get to just, like, have fun with each of the characters one last time and kind of say goodbye to them as they, <laughs> as they say some smart-ass thing to the cops or whatever. But And then you just get to just to fucking be there in the paddy wagon with Moses as he hears the, them chanting his name. It's so, so wonderful.
0: Yeah. That might be a good yeah. place to end it with the end. Sure. Unless you have any other... Uh...
1: No, I think that's everything I could think of. Um... I wish one of us had said at least one bad thing about the movie, but I don't even know if I have it in me. I think it's useful to unpack a movie, even if you didn't hate it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> sometimes liking things is fun. Um,
1: Occasionally, it's it's okay to like something once in a while.
0: I didn't love uh, Hi hats, you know the gangster. I thought I didn't. I'm trying to. I'm trying I didn't to think. hate him, but. Uh, I thought he was maybe the weak point in the movie.
1: Maybe you. Uh, Here is what's surprising: is that you don't you don't think that mayhem and probs are the weak point in the movie. <laughs> no, not because I thought they were weak, but because I mean that's <laughs> yeah. Usually, I mean they're the two they zany, <laughs> Yeah, they in any other movie they would have been extremely distracting, and we and never
0: we never mentioned them. The fact that they worked just goes to show what like an amazing balancing act of the tone of the movie had, yeah. uh, which is, I, I think if you're talking about, yeah, like, uh, Goonies or whatever, you know, to, to, to have that actual sense of danger and the sense that these are actual people, but still have it just be absolutely fun throughout.
1: Right. You, 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 you trust the movie, you trust the movie to handle these characters and to take care of them, even while you will let the movie scare you by putting them in peril. Right. And, um, I thought they were great. I thought they were really um, believable in the age they were. I thought the characterization of the, just them, but also moreover, the, the leads and also the kind of the, the girl posse counterparts to the leads was perfect. Uh, they They were just so embodied the age that they were playing mm-hmm. where everyone's this great mixture of like shy, constantly shy, but also like clumsily boastful all the time. <laughs> Yeah, just it, I I thought I thought that they they struck the right tone when, with with both the little kids, ma'am and probs and also the, the leads re- really inhabited the age that they were meant to be playing.
0: Stop. Stop. Resist- Stop resisting.
1: I prick for pushing me over. I don't even live here. Oh my, oh my. I am registered disabled, you're hiring
0: me! What's your number? What's your number? Huh? I know my civil liberties, I'm a member of fucking Amnesty! Get off me! I right, saved the planet! He saved the planet from alien invasion! He's a hero! He's a legend! Moses,
1: call me, yeah? We'll get you help! no Moses, I no, Hey, why you always arrest the wrong people? Moses is a hero, don't you get it? You saved the block. I'm going to talk about our sponsors in just a second, but before that, you are coming to Portland. You're coming to where I am next week. I
0: will be there in 6 days.
1: Don't don't say what it is, but have you thought about what movie you might want to do? Cuz I was tried to think about it and I feel like I still haven't quite come up with one i haven't uh, well we're gonna have to come up with one in the next five minutes both of us
0: okay we both need to come up with one or i can just let you do it
1: (laughs) together we can come up with one by which i mean you can just let me do it okay our sponsors this week are cool nines the oregon scratch off lottery ticket that i bought long
0: time sponsor of the show
1: Long-time sponsor of the show, where I go to the store and buy a Cool nine scratch scratch-off lottery ticket. In fact, this is the longest-running sponsor, if we're calling these scratch-off lottery ticket sponsors. And then the other one was, um, I got another Coffee Cash. Remember, we did one of these before? I do love Coffee Cash. Not only is uh, the fact that these scratch-off lottery tickets being something that you have to see to be interesting in the very slightest, but Coffee Cash has the extra lost element of being a scratch-and-sniff lottery ticket, so our listeners can miss out on two sensory enjoyments in the, at the same time.
0: Oh, not just our listeners. Me too.
1: And, and you.
0: And me.
1: It's like there was a party at the zoo.
0: I think we got our, our cool- uh, episode title. <laughs>
1: <laughs> our cool number is 30.
0: That's not very cool. Okay. Sounds like you're getting better at this scratching. I hear vigorousness.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I've spent, I've really spent literal hours of my life editing out extended (laughs) sounds of myself scratching off a scratch-off lottery ticket, because I want to leave it in, but I don't want to leave all five minutes of me scratching (laughs) off each sector individually. Our our winning, quote-unquote winning numbers are 19, 26, 16, 23, and 31, none of which are winners. That was a losing scratch-off lottery ticket. That sponsor sponsored our show to the tune of negative $1. $1. I don't remember how coffee cash works, so I'm just going to scratch the whole thing off. The top prize is $10,000. What would we do with
0: $10,000?
1: A lot of the fun of doing a scratch-off lottery ticket under normal circumstances is the brief fantasy you get to have about what you would do with all that money. And your fantasy um, is to eat, what would you eat? <laughs> uh, pizza! Okay. Aaron, even if this scratch-off lottery ticket loses, I'll still buy you a pizza. God, when you scratch it off really quickly and aggressively, the scratch-and-sniff smell becomes really overpowering and gross. Okay, give me a minute to drunkenly squint at this thing and figure out whether we won or not. All right. Gee, I'm covered in scratch-off scratchy bits. What do you call them? Um, Schmutz. Schmutz. Our winning symbols are milk, donut, and book, which I guess are things that you might find at a coffee shop. Soft drink, cell phone, sandwich, croissant, and cookies. None of those are winners, although croissant and cookies both would have been $10,000 winners. Can you hear that? All right, that's it for our Attack the Block episode. I hope you had as much fun as we did uh, watching that movie and joining us for a chat. A couple quick things and we'll be done here. The next episode is another kind of special episode coming up. I'm really excited about sharing it with you. You're going to have me and Aaron and a special guest, Josh Millard, all in a room together. Uh, talking about Willow. Willow, of course, a fond memory from all of our childhoods, and uh, Josh Millard, of course, a great, great guy. I couldn't be happier that he uh, agreed to join us. You might know him as Cortex on Metafilter or creator of all kinds of wonderful internet projects, websites, songs. He's an all-around great guy, and I couldn't be happier to have him. Uh, And Willow is such a fun one to talk about. The other thing is we're going to be switching to a every-other-week schedule with In the Cut. Um, it's based on feedback I've been getting. Uh, it's hard to keep up with the movies. And producing each episode actually takes uh, much longer than I'm sure it sounds like it does. <laughs> and that's going to allow me some time to make sure every episode's up to my own standards and also hopefully allow us to branch out into other mediums or try other concurrent shows or just see what fun we can have. There's a lot to be excited about, and I'm really looking forward to it. So I hope you'll get a chance to watch uh, Willow and join us in a couple weeks for a real fun conversation about it. You can find all the ways, as always, to watch our next movie or any movie we talk about at InTheCut.org. I hope you'll join us there. There's also links to our Facebook page and Twitter timeline, uh, other ways we can kind of interact. It's been great talking with you, and we'll talk again soon. Bye.